Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. Hello, all my friends in the real estate world. It's great to be with you. I appreciate you taking time to listen to this podcast. I'm trusting and believing that you are finding great value. I have a wonderful interview today with Shane Carvalho, and I'm probably butchering his name. I'm sorry, Shane. He leads the Shane Carvalho real estate team in the Bay Area in California. He's with eXp Realty. He specializes in luxury home sales on the coast, and he also hosts a clubhouse room. I mean, if you're on clubhouse, look him up. The room is called Modern Agent Real Estate. It's got the little fire emoji, and I know that you would love love jumping in his room. It is for real estate agents and you'll find some great value in it. I try to jump in. He's asked me to moderate with him on occasion and about once a week, I try to jump in his room with him. We're talking various topics. So if you're on Clubhouse, look it up. I know that we would love to know that you heard about it on the podcast. So feel free to jump on stage with us and talk about that. Also, please do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast, leave us some reviews. We'd love to know that you are enjoying the podcast and please share it with other realtors. We know that we all want to strive to be the best at what we do and be the most professional, provide the most excellent service. And so I ask you, please, your fellow realtors, please share with them the podcast. If you're finding value, maybe they will as well. And as you've heard me say so many times, each interview is unique. And I believe that you'll find value as you listen to the different interviews because of the uniqueness of each person. There are different things that you'll pull away that you can implement into your business. So let's get right to it. I want you to get to know Shane. He's just, let me just say this. He is just an all around super nice guy. And I know that as you listen to this interview, you're going to feel that. And I've appreciated just the kindness that he has shown to me, inviting me and getting me involved a little bit in Clubhouse. That's just a whole new world. And we'll see kind of what the ramifications are of that down the road. But at this point, I find it interesting, can be a little bit too time consuming. But um, I really probably just a couple times a week, will jump into some different Clubhouse rooms. But again, wherever you can find value and good things that you can implement into your life, this may be a good tool for that. So I've appreciated Shane and his kindness in that. We're going to get right to our interview with Shane Carvalho of Shane Carvalho Real Estate Team. Hi, Shane. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. So introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my name is uh, Shane Carvalho and I'm actually a realtor out here in the Bay Area in California. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's good to have you. So tell us a little bit about your business, how you got started and all of that. So yeah, I interesting story, but I'll keep it very short. I actually was working at Wells Fargo Bank while I was in college. And uh, I used to handle all the merchants and the merchant teller window. And this real estate broker would come in and make deposits all the time. And I was always trying to sell him a credit card or something. And one day he's like, look, you're so great about always trying to sell me something. You got to come talk to me at my office. And so literally I went after work to talk to him and he talked to me about real estate and 
got me going on my real estate course back in 1999 and kind of the rest is history. <laughs> wow. So you started this journey in 1999. So that's yes, been a ma'am. little bit of time. So you're a seasoned agent. So tell us about what the market's like there for you. How, I mean, I know it's pretty much hot across the country, but how, what's it look like for you right now? So for us, it's uh, it's really a seller's market in most of our territory. We do cover a pretty big market here. And uh, there just is not very much inventory. I do primarily service the sellers. Like we're about 75% on the listing side, which allows for us to have a pretty solid business, especially at times like this. And um, and then for our buyers, I mean, we're out there, you know, fighting with everybody else on those, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 offers on a property situations. And it's just, it's insanity, really to put it frank. I mean, it's more insane than the last boom in 05. Yeah. Is this probably your biggest struggle right now is just the inventory? Yeah, I would say definitely inventory. And I think there's also a certain aspect of tempering expectations for your clients on the listing side as well, because just like buyers really want the properties, sellers see what's going on. And so sometimes you have to kind of temper their expectations because, you know, people want to kind of swing for the fences when they see what's going on. Yeah. So tell us, how do you really handle that? You know, it's tricky because, you know, our clients, at least 75% of our clients are referrals or repeat clients, and they really know and trust us. And they know that we're always looking out for their best interest. But even good clients, you know, sometimes they really have their number and they get hung up on their number. And I mean, I tell them like, look, you know, it's like, here's what's going on around you. And I get that yours might sell for even more. But you see that these list prices, a lot of the sales prices exceed those. Now, if you're going to be the guy that, you know, prices yours too high, you're going to give the community or the buying community the fear that it's going to go even higher than that. And you could typically scare people away. And if it doesn't sell right away, you're going to stigmatize your property. So I try to coach him on the fact that, you know, you can't underprice it, but you can overprice it. And I back it up with the data. You know, if I show them five or six properties in their neighborhood that were listed at a million two and they sold for a million four, then voila, you know, there you go. Don't price it at a million four because, you know, you could have problems. That's the way I handle it. And um, and then at the end of the day, if we can't see eye to eye, I'm willing to compromise a little bit. But if they're going to throw me off my game, then I just thank them politely and, and respectfully and just we go our separate ways because yeah. I'm in the business of selling houses, not listing houses. Yeah, right. So, but you're selling, your listings are about 75% of your business. They are. They are. Yeah. But you've realized the fact that if you don't price that listing right, it's just going to be dead inventory. It's not any great asset to you. So, well, it hurts both. Yeah. Well, it hurts both sides because, you know, obviously they probably have a plan. They're trying to be somewhere or they might have something else they're already trying to buy. And so, you know, there's an issue where that'll affect that. But then for us too, because we're full service and we stage and do everything else, I mean, I'm investing with the seller. That's why I take listings I can sell because, you know, I'm putting five, 10, 15, $20,000 out of my own pocket into these listings. And, um, you know, I, there's no recourse really. It's like, if I can't right. sell it, oh, well, you know, it's like, might as well go to Vegas, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny. You know, I don't know when I book my guests, what everybody's specialty is and what they do, but it's so interesting to me because the last 
handful of guests that I've had all really, I think in a row have staged homes. And that has not been the norm of everybody else that I've interviewed. It's just like all of a sudden here recently. And again, like I said, I didn't know that that's what you do and didn't know that we booked them right back to back. So tell me, how did that start where you got into the staging? You know, that's another long story that I'll try and keep short. I mean, realistically, this could be like a full day event. (laughs) There's just so many layers, but just to keep it short and concise, you know, First of all, I was doing a lot of, I did a lot of bank owned properties when the market crashed. And so I'd manage the rehab and everything for the banks. So basically you had to get these properties that were trashed and just get them all set, carry them all the way to market and sell them. And then when that started to slow down, I got into corporate relocations. Anyway, long story short, I developed this whole full service model where I had to bring in the contractors and everybody else. And um, in the midst of all this, because a lot of these people were, you know, these homes were empty. And on these relocations, there were a lot of them were moving outbound. So I had these empty houses and they just, I really believed in, you know, staging and and presenting the property. And I was introduced to this most amazing stager about 11 years ago. And we started working together. You know, I needed help picking paint colors and finishes and I needed, you know, she's a designer and just an artist really. And so we just built a relationship. She used to stage where she moved in from. She used to have a warehouse and everything else. And she said, Hey, how would you like to buy inventory? I'll be your exclusive stager. Let's let's just make it happen. And I mean, it started that way, shoot, about maybe eight, nine years ago. And uh, it's just, it's gotten to the point where now we even have a home store because people love our stuff. So we How opened neat. the store last year. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So are you staging all your listings? How so, does that work? Essentially, I mean, not every property is going to be turnkey to where it makes sense. Like sometimes you're selling something that maybe was a rental that's got some wear and tear and it doesn't make sense to put the money in and get it where it needs to be. Or someone inherited a property that, you know, it needs like massive work and you're just not going to get the return. And so some properties will go as is, but I'd say we stage about 75 to 80%. And when I say stage, we do get our clients to vacate most homes because we'll help them buy their other home we have different ways of just helping them move out so we can have the home to ourselves and not have to worry about interrupting them or interrupting their lives. But if they do live there, then we'll do like what we call a redesign. We'll just kind of work with some of their stuff. We'll make them pack some stuff and get some stuff out of our way. So my decorator will walk through with me and with them. And one of my assistants that schedules all this stuff, we'll do like a walkthrough, uh, the three of us with the homeowners. And we'll be like, okay, we'll put blue tape on everything we want them to pack or remove the stuff we think we can work with, they leave. And then we come in and we fill in the gaps with our inventory. And uh, and then we teach them how to leave it ready for a showing. Like gotcha. we'll have bedding that goes over their bedding. You know, we'll have little baskets for their toiletries. And we essentially coach them how to live in their stage. You mm-hmm. know, so. That's, I'm sure that is a very important piece. But tell me, so you're trying to get the seller a lot of times to vacate the property. Tell me about that process and how does that work exactly? Well, it's, you know, been a very strong seller's market for a long time. And so it's like if you're a buyer and you have a house to sell, (laughs) good luck. You know, it's like there's so many people that are coming in all cash or quick closes. If you make an offer saying, hey, I want to buy your house, but I need to sell mine first. That's what we consider a contingent sale here in California. I might get one or two through a year, but it's very difficult. So 
me and um, one of my lenders, I call him my money guy. We've been working together for about 10 years. We created a couple different programs where we can actually do a bridge loan and help our clients actually buy their home all cash and move them into their new home. Then I can bring in my crew. If I have to paint, whatever I need to do, I can come in and completely rehab their house and flip it for them. And that's what we prefer to do, especially if they've been there for 30 years and it needs a lot of work. Um, We'll do projects up to even maybe, I'd say on the high end, we'll do projects up to maybe 80 to 100,000 on the top end. And we'll work on these properties for up to three months. I mean, the most effective thing is for us to do the one, two week quick rehab touch-ups and stage and go to market. But we are willing to help our clients, even if it's the three-month variety. It just sometimes we're short on manpower because we have so many projects. And so yeah. we try to be careful how, how much of that we take on. But essentially, bridge loan. So are the sellers paying for those renovations and repairs and upgrades? The seller's paying for yes. that? You're just You're just coordinating it. So to make it really simple, this is what I always tell the sellers. Like, look, we'll manage it for free. Like, we'll help you schedule and coordinate everything. We'll use our vendors. You just approve the bids. But then essentially, like, you know, we will pay for all the marketing, the staging and everything else. Like, that's our cost. But anything that's related to fixing your property Mm -hmm. or inspecting your property, that's your cost. They're really clear on that. And then if they say, Shane, we'd love to do that, but we don't have any money. I say, no problem. I call my money guy. I go, hey, I need a rehab loan on this one for 50K or whatever. And we'll just tag a little second on there and it'll get paid off at closing when I sell their house. So, so. the bottom line here is everybody needs a money guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, it's it's great because he's a mortgage broker. He does a lot of our business. And then he's also, he manages a large private money fund. Um, They mm-hmm. manage over a hundred million. They have their own servicing company. So yeah, it's beautiful because there's always money available and we do utilize them frequently and it's super affordable. My clients get well taken care of. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd i like to think we have every possible solution to any problem. That's, that's always my goal. That's awesome. So you can send me his number, name and number later. And then all our listeners, you know, for a nice little fee, I would be happy to pass that information along. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, anything in California, you know, and yeah, I'm I'm really kidding, but well, I'll just say, but seriously, like, I mean, I'm happy to, I do share resources. I just got to be cautious with which ones. So him, it's fine. There's plenty of money. I'm just more cautious with my contractors because we're so backlogged on projects for clients. So it's hard to like refer out those people, but no, our lenders and some of our other people we work with, we love referring them out, especially if they can service more people. But um, essentially our team, we try to keep them proprietary just because we want to make sure we can turn things around for our clients. Yeah. It's such an important relationship to have. And some of these new agents, you know, they don't really understand how important that relationship is and how to develop that. And so, I mean, that's that's really awesome. So what do you think really sets you apart in your market from, I'm sure, you know, there's plenty of agents all around there. So yeah, there's about 1,500 agents in our county. There's wow. clearly not even close to that many listings. But, um, you know, wow. this whole full service thing really does set us apart. And I think that, you know, the base or the root of all this is my background. I mean, I grew up building houses in the family business. I have a general contractor's license that I've put in active. I don't use it anymore. But I mean, you know, general contractor. And then I moved into mortgage. I was a mortgage broker for 10 years been in sales the last 11 years, which, you know, the mortgage and real estate combined 
that's over, you know, 21 years in the business. And, um, you know, when you have all that experience and I mean, I flipped homes, rentals, long-term second homes, I mean, seller financing, creative financing, I mean, crazy, like just put together so many different things. Like I know the business like really well and customer service is the most important thing. So I have a pretty good sized staff in order to service our clients. And so like we're the one-stop shop. And so it's, you know, a lot of agents don't have those resources or don't even have the knowledge. And I feel like that's what sets us apart is the fact that we've kind of put ourselves on a level that it's a lot like it's, if you're going to take this on, there's a lot to learn. And then you got to be willing to spend a lot of money. Like you got to be willing to pretty much spend a lot of money, hire a lot of people if you want to, you know, have this kind of business going. So tell me, are you a solo agent? Do you have a team? I mean, obviously you've got staffing in regard to repairs and all of that, but tell me a little bit about what that looks like. So we've marketed ourselves as a team for a few years now. Reason being is because, because I have, you know, our decorator and our landscape guy and our maintenance guy. And then, you know, we have our other vendors that we, you know, contract with that are part of our family. Then I have my support staff and everything else. We've branded as a team. So, but I was a solo agent supported by, I have two full-time assistants, a transaction coordinator and an additional runner. I also have a marketing guy. I mean, those, these are like in-house, right? Like these are people that Mm -hmm. I, I want payroll. But then I have on contract that work for us, landscape, handyman. And then aside from that, it's more, you know, just different contracted people in my circle that have been with me anywhere from, you know, a general contractor. One of them has been with me for 16 years. Painter's been with me for 20 years. My handyman landscape guy, I mean, those guys, those brothers have been with me. They were with my dad when I was working for my dad's company as a teenager. So they've been with us for 30 years. So that was the team. But then with my new company, when I moved last year and with COVID and with how things have changed, um, agents started wanting to come and work with us. And we honestly were generating so much buyer, you know, activity that we needed support. And so I never actively recruited, but lo and behold, I woke up this morning to having like eight agents on my team just in the last two months. So, wow. so, so we are, we are now growing. And so we are adjusting our model to be the true like team, including agents and uh, have some new agents, some seasoned agents and have a whole business plan to help them be successful. So as you move into this role of almost being like the CEO of this whole team and all of this, but how are you handling that? And do you see, do you foresee that you will quit selling and listing as much? Or, I mean, what do you think that will look like? How much, how involved do you think you'll be in managing these people? Yeah, it's interesting because that was one <laughs> of the reasons, one of the reasons I never really built out was because I want to be in the trenches with my clients and I want to be free to help them. But I've also always enjoyed helping people and mentoring. And I've been invited to speak in different, you know, events and in front of different brokerages and you know, I've always been happy to coach and train people on things that I do and, you know, just helping people out. And so the thought of actually having agents that I could actually, you know, mentor and train to be successful, it is taking on a lot. So what I've done is I've delegated as much as I can so that my job is to be frontline with the clients. And I do have a couple of people on the team that will help with some of the management. And then we also have kind of some streamlined online resources as well to kind of help keep everything in order. 
we're super organized and systematic as well with, you know, checklists and, you know, shared Google Drive docs. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, we have like private like YouTube videos and such to kind of teach different agents on the team, different steps of what we're doing. And so it's, it's all organized and it still can be a lot, you know, obviously it's a lot for one person to take on, but I think that we're doing a good job delegating the responsibilities and there's going to be challenging times when you're working 15 or 16 hours a day. And, you know, I get that that's not healthy or sustainable and not really quality of life, but I'm willing to do what I need to do to make sure that we get everybody in the right direction. And, you know, I, I want everybody to be successful and I want to build something with longevity, something to build a legacy. And um, so I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I'm committed to putting at least 10 more years on the front line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And very exciting. I mean, I I, I love seeing the growth. And, and obviously that's just, I mean, to take eight agents in two months, that's a big shift. So it it'll is. be interesting to watch, but you're a person that seems like you can handle it. So you, what do you feel like, you know, you started in 1999. When do you feel like, what do you feel like the tipping point was that you really, you weren't the newbie anymore or just, just one of the agents in your community. But when do you think that it really things changed and you became a top producer? Well, it's interesting because, you know, as a mortgage broker, I worked my way up the ranks and, and I was, you know, I did, I was a top producer the last five years of my mortgage career. And, um, when I rolled into real estate, you know, I had to build up as well. And it took me about three years, um, about three years in, I, I was, I was a top producer in the brokers, which was, was incredible. Right. Cause I'm, I'm one of those people that's, you know, hardworking and, and I stay humble. You know, I kind of have my I'm competing with my own goals, my own dreams, my own visions. Sure. And it's like, I, it's like that old term, put your nose to the ground and work. Like when all that was happening back in 2012, like I didn't even realize because I, I was working a lot of the bank owned, a lot of the rough stuff, low price points. And um, it just, it was volume. It was like doing a lot of volume, just me and one assistant. And it's like, I didn't pay attention to how I was producing versus the colleagues. And, uh, honestly, like it just, I've never looked back. I mean, we all have moments in our career where maybe we have a health issue or something happens. Maybe you lose a family member. I mean, we all have our moments in life where life happens and we might have a little hiccup or a little bump or whatever, but overall, I mean, I've maintained the work ethic and the drive all these years Mm -hmm. and, um, I continue to strive to be a top producer and to, you know, be among the top of my market. And uh, yeah. I, I am very supportive and collaborative with other agents. Like we all help each other out. And so it's not like a competitive, like, hey, I'm going to take you down. But it's more like we all help each other be successful. Mm-hmm. And I want to see all my colleagues be successful. I don't care what brokers they're with. I don't care what neighborhood they're working. I'm all about that. I feel like there's room for everybody to be successful. And so being a top producer People always say being at the top is lonely and I can see that there is that perspective, but I think that just like everything's changed with technology and everything in our business, I think that a lot of the traditional things are changing as far as, you know, being the lone wolf or not sharing secrets or being, you know, Mm -hmm. just, I'm an open book. Even when I go speak to groups, I share all, there's no secrets. I put it all out there. 
you yeah. know, it's, it's, so that's changed. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, no. And I, I think it's amazing. And I say this often on the podcast is people that really are successful, top producers, successful in other fields. I feel like they really are usually very giving and are willing to share what they know. They're not, you know, clinging on to it, afraid that if somebody else knows it, they're going to be better than them. But you mentioned like when you first started, and I'm curious about that. You said you did a lot of the dirty work or the REOs. And so tell me a little bit about just briefly for somebody maybe that's starting out in the business, it just might be really good information for them of just some ideas and things that they can do, kind of get the ball rolling. Well, see, here's the thing. I mean, being a new agent today versus being a new agent then, it's a lot more advantageous to be a new agent today. I'll put it that way. But going back, okay, when did I come into sales? 2009. What was 2009 like in California? Short sales, you know, bank-owned properties, the real estate market crash in 08. I mean, it was great it was timing ugly, for you to jump in, right? Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all in, you know, let's see what we can do. But um, I think a blessing for me was because of my mortgage background, I was able to tackle like short sales were something that I was able to understand and become really good at. So that gave me a niche. A lot of traditional agents didn't have that background to be able to jump in, especially very seasoned. There's some seasoned agents that retired during that time. They just did not want to adapt. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, if they were done and they didn't have to work anymore, good for them. I was just getting started, right? I mean, so it's like I was going to have to adapt. And something I've done my whole career, even previously as a mortgage broker, the reason I've always been able to be successful in any market is because I've always been willing to adapt. And so adapting is key. Like that's along with consistency and being driven and working hard, being willing to adapt is what's going to keep you making a living. Because if not, there's going to be times in the market where you won't be able to make a living if you're not willing to adapt. And so it started out short sales, rolled into dealing with these bank owned properties. It was the bottom of the market. Some of these short sales could take two years to get approved. I mean, I no exaggeration. Like I, in fact, at one point, my transaction coordinator at my first brokerage joked with me that I had the oldest file in the office. I think by the time it closed, I think it was two and a half years or something. Oh my word. And that one had a medical bankruptcy. It had a difficult um, short sale process with the bank. It was a property and it was a very low price point in a very bad neighborhood. Squatters moved in. We had to end up plywooding the, every opening in that house. I mean, it was, I mean, I still remember it like it was yesterday, but I'm sure you, know, you it do. Was, yeah, it was just, it was bad. And then the thing is, when you're working with the banks, you'd have to take a cut on the short sale commissions on the bank owned properties. They already were low price, you know, price points, but you had to give up 30% of the commission to the management company that was working with the banks. And so you were really grinding hard. I like to say grinding because that's what I felt like it was, but you're really grinding hard to just to try, you know, try and make a living. You know, I didn't and why have... not just walk away from it? I mean, was it worth it all the time <laughs> you spent? Or you just feel like if I started, I'm going to finish it? Well, that's the thing is that I'm stubborn. And um, yeah, like people that know me, it's so funny. I reconnected with this client a couple of years ago and I'm going to try not to segue, but I connected with a client a couple of years ago that I hadn't seen in like seven years. And she was actually a friend, not really a client back then. I met her through another friend. And she told me, she's like, hey, Shane, I always remember you always say go big or go home. I haven't seen this lady like in seven years. And it's so funny. That's like, that's been like one of my like fighting chants, like my entire career yeah. is go big or go home. And um, yeah, I've just never been one to give up. 
have yeah. I ever wanted to give up? Have I ever had moments? Yeah, I had, there was a couple times in my career where I was like, yeah, I'm good at this. I love this. I'm passionate. But is this like, am I in the right place? Is this yeah. where I need to be? Because yeah, it can be very stressful. It can dominate your life and um, life passes you by, you know? So as a yeah. new agent today, and didn't mean to segue, but I just kind of felt like you had to hear no, that point. No, that's fine. But, but then back to being a new agent today, I mean, today you have the technology, you have the ability to join a team. I mean, yeah. I didn't lean on anyone. I came in alone, solo agent. I mean, we had the brokerage that was willing to support us and teach us stuff. But I mean, I was a solo agent and then I ended up getting an assistant a couple years in, but um it was a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of commitment, and we didn't have all the technology. Yeah. And um, anyway, uh, long story short, in today's world, you could join a team and you can learn the ropes. You can leverage their production. Like if you have an appointment to go list a property in a certain neighborhood, uh, well, what experience do you have? Hey, well, our team just sold that one, that one, and that one, and we right. did 200 million last year. Right. It's like, can you imagine walking in the door with that resume? I mean, it makes it a lot easier, but at the same time, I'm thankful for having to do it the hard way because it made me learn never to take anything for granted and to always work with a, like my work ethic was always at a certain level, which that's never subsided. And so while I feel like you can launch your business fast in today's world, I still feel like, you know, those, those lessons or that experience has been invaluable to me later in my career. Just like one other quick segue, I used to hate when I was growing up and I was in high school, junior college, my parents didn't want me to go out with my friends at night or go to parties or all this other stuff. And I used to be so bitter about not being able to participate in all that. But it's interesting because then when you look back, it's like, wow, maybe I wasn't ready to make good decisions at that time. I mean, I was a good kid. I never really got into trouble. But I mean, it's interesting because when you're in those moments, I mean, that's just another example. When you're in that moment, you're like, this sucks you know, for lack of a better <laughs> right. term. But then seriously, like down the line, when you look back, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, that was not great, but look where it, it put me. Look mm -hmm. what I avoided or look what I learned. Look where I ended up. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So You said your little phrase, big, go big or go home. So what are some examples of really where you feel like that you implemented that? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, there's some really obvious ones from this last year. Like, Wait, what, Shane? So you're going to lease another warehouse in the middle of the pandemic. And what? You're going to lease a space and open a store? Like, mm. they're like we're shut down. Like, people can't be out. Like, you're crazy. I mean, just things like that. Like, opening businesses, growing the business. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, in the business, like, when it comes to negotiating on clients' behalfs, like, you know, having, for example, having a property that your client loves and you go and make a really strong cash offer because you already sold their other property. Really fair offer was great. Listing agent says, yeah, we're going to respond. I think we're going to work with you. Then all of a sudden that afternoon, oh, we got two other offers and you're going to have to come up. And anyway, I just, my clients trusted me with me. Like it's the house they love, they want, right? We're going to withdraw your offer. Wait, wait, what Shane, but we want the house. No, no, no. Trust me. We're going to withdraw the offer. I promise you, you're going to get this house by the sunset tonight. And I mean, making moves like that, I mean, that's bold. I mean, that's like, 
that's that is gambling called. your client. I mean, th- and this is one I never forget, right? Because I'll never forget the expression on these listing agents' faces, right? They were just like, wait, what, what, what? I'm like, no, I'm not going to play games. So I go, this client is a very good client, part of a really good referral circle. And it doesn't matter, even if it was just a new client to me. I just, but because we even have a stronger relationship and the family's been really good to me and they're very savvy, smart people. And I know that they'll deliver and they trust me. I go, look, they made a fair offer, you know, so either take it or leave it. And if you truly do have a situation where your seller needs to make a response or whatever, do it, but do it ethically and don't be dishonest with us. Don't bluff. I mean, Mm -hmm. but I did, I withdrew the offer and by five o'clock they were in contract. So, I so mean, is that just your gut or you just felt like it was the right thing to do? You know, honestly, like a lot of these moments, there'll be adrenaline still, right? When you're kind of in the heat of the battle, right? So, but honestly, a lot of it is gut. A lot of it is gut. Like, yeah, I mean, it's... And then do you walk away and have doubts? Like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> so... Actually, on that part, believe it or not, I probably should, but I usually don't. Honestly, the only place, as seasoned as I am and as much business as I've done, one of my doubtful moments or points that still happens is as much as I'm good at researching the data and coming up with list price for my listings, I will doubt myself like one out of every 10 listings. And I warn my clients up front, I go, hey, don't mind me if I send you a modification of terms to change the price like five hours before we're going to market. I just have this thing about list prices. And so that's the one thing that I create doubt to this day. It's not from not knowing the market. It's not from, it just, cause there's gut and then there's the data and then there's just this feeling. And sometimes it's like all three of those are just like going in like, you know, different ways. So obviously though, that listing price is a very important, it's not just a number. That's a really important factor for you. Well, you're setting up your clients for, hopefully a quick sale for the largest net profit for them. Yeah. And also a solid thing that's going to happen. You need to be able to price it to drive the traffic. You also need to price it at a level where the market buy it might be so hot that people are willing to pay more than what it'll appraise for. You got to be conscious if it's someone that can afford a shortfall in an appraisal, if they're going to be non-contingent. Like you can't just base it on, oh yeah, let's sell for this price and see what happens. I mean, You really like for me, just being in the business for so many years, you always have to be thinking ahead. Like, I mean, we're even making an offer today for a client that just got referred to us. They were with, I mean, unfortunately, they had a bad experience with an agent. And then one of my past clients who's best friends with this guy was like, wait, you're buying a house without talking to me. I have the best agent that I've used for years. Like you need to use my agent. So I met this guy and I'm kind of talking him through what he's, you know, what we're going to do and stuff. And literally like we're writing an offer today to beat this deadline and I go, hey, so you're married. You said your wife and kids, you haven't seen them because of COVID. They're in the country of Qatar. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I go, how is it that nobody's told you that California's community property, you're going to need your wife to sign a quit claim? Oh, but do I need to fly her in just for that? I go, actually, no. Basically, they can go to the U.S. Embassy in Qatar and you know just get a notary there and sign the document and ship it back. But it's like, I just brought that up right now because it's like, People aren't thinking, right? Like they're so focused on getting him at the contract. But what do you think is going to happen? We're on a 21-day close. Day mm. 15, the escrow officer is like filling out the information sheet with a client. And it's like, where's your wife? She needs to sign this quit claim. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, yeah, yeah. You need to like be thinking. He's like, how did you know that? I go, well, I was a lender for 10 years and I did do 
a lot more volume in loans than I did in sales. Cause obviously when you're doing loans, the volume sure. is a lot more than when you're doing sales. So, I mean, obviously. you know, I did, I did thousands. Of, I mean, I don't know how many loans I did, honestly, but I did, right. I can tell you my last big year in 05 was over a hundred million in loans wow. that I funded. And so I, it's, uh, you know, I have enough repetition to have the instincts, you know what yeah. I mean? Right. Right. Obviously. But how did you know for his wife to go to the U S embassy? I wouldn't have known that part. Well, because, you know, over the years, I mean, I had someone in Japan a while back and, okay. you know, you just... You can't just, just do DocuSign and send it to her in that country. It's a notarized document. It's a, okay. it's a quick claim. She's she's basically right, deeding off. Right, right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. She's not just signing closing papers. She's got to sign the quick claim deed. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, that's, and that here needs to be notarized. notarized. Probably in probably in your state as well. But yeah, the states, you know how it is. All the states have different rules, but yes. that one here is definitely a, a notary doc. And, Interesting. Um, so yeah, but that's yeah. just an example. I mean, there's many, but that's just an example of just, just foresight, just, you know, what right. could possibly go wrong, what might happen. Just like the offer today, like we're going to not have a contingency for appraisal, but if appraisal comes in short, he doesn't have much cash reserves to pay the shortfall. Most yeah. agents are not thinking about that. But me as a listing agent, when I'm reviewing offers and my seller says, hey, why won't you take the $2 million one? Why do you want us to take the 1.9? Okay, look at their assets. Mm -hmm. You know, look at what the comps are. So just because someone says they can give you $2 million, if they can't close it at $2 million, yeah. then it's not $2 million. See the 1.9? Right. They have an extra half a million dollars sitting here in a savings account. If that appraisal comes in $100,000 short, they got it. Right. And so it's, it's things like that. And if yeah. they go, well, but they're non-contingent anyway, we, they have to close it. Okay. Seriously. If they don't have the money, yeah. they can't close and they right. probably have to lose their deposit before they can close. They'd rather lose right. their 3% deposit than have yeah. to come up with an extra 50 K, you right. know, or whatever it may be. So, right. um, those Thinking are the down kinds the of road. things. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, are you marketing yourself? So, um, <laughs> this is a fun one. So, always with my head down working over the years, just not marketing enough, not staying in front of our database, not, you know, it was honestly like when I started like truly marketing and it's like, and it's decent. But in 2017, we decided we should brand ourselves. Let's differentiate ourselves with the other, from the other million agents. So my last name Carvalho in Portuguese is an oak tree. So if you look at my logo, it's an oak tree. There's a story to that. My mom's an artist. She actually painted the oak tree and then we had them do it with the, so that the graphics can be digitalized. There's a process where they take her painting and mm -hmm. they digitalize it. So all the oak trees awesome. you see on my cards, websites, everywhere else. I love that. That. One, that was painted by my mom. So they're from Portugal. And so branding was a big one. We already were online somewhat like on Facebook and we had a website and all that kind of stuff. We just were really, really not fully like marketing, like we do some ads here and there in the paper and stuff. But so I had this marketing guy really got after it with the marketing, with the logo and started doing branding ads and, you know, in print, doing email stuff, online stuff, and then started getting into the social media platforms, started pushing LinkedIn a little more, never really got too involved in YouTube. But um, essentially we really started building momentum with this marketing guy that we had and unfortunately, last year, he died in a shark attack in May, which was oh, just, no. it was just completely like, just shocking. He's only 26 years old. He was where he, here in Santa Cruz, in the Santa Cruz area. 
in California. So he was such an instrumental part of our team. He, we were finally building a lot of momentum on all platforms. He was building our custom property websites. I mean, he was getting me more entrenched with the local businesses. And I mean, you know, to, to have, you always want people to know who you are. So it's like, I need to bring the content, but I mean, he was coaching me on the kinds of ideas and I never want to be on camera. Like I never want to be on photos. I don't want to be on videos. Like I just avoided it. Right. And so it's like, the other thing too, is that they pointed out to me, it's like, Shane, this full service, fixing people's properties, staging their properties, like your history, like what you do, like you need to market this so people know. And it's like, we just were not exposing it. So, you know, it's, we had a little, obviously not a little, it was tragic, but I mean, obviously we had a setback last year when we lost Ben and um, really good man. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's still hard sometimes because, you know, he was more than just someone that was part of the team. He's a friend. Our, Our team is like family, you know? So it, that was a little bit of a setback as far as like from the business perspective. I mean, in life, that's like, you can't even quantify what kind of a loss that is, but in business it did in business, it did really, you know, affect us tremendously uh, because it, you know, it's like when you lose somebody, you're like, for me, I know everybody handles it differently, but we just weren't prepared to go find somebody to put there. You know what I mean? It's like, there's like a long grieving process and it's like, but you know, the show must go on to a certain extent, but it's like, just the thought of like doing yeah. it again without him, that just took a while. And so now I do have somebody that the last six months, good friend of mine who I in fact recruited out of college when I was a mortgage broker and he does, you know, marketing and he's been supporting and helping us with some of the graphics and some of the stuff that we post and some of the things we put together. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, if I if I'm gonna pick an area where I want to continue to grow and do even better, I would say that um, the digital aspect of our business is where I'd like to really push the envelope a little more, uh, because obviously the rest of our business, as you've obviously heard, just even in this session, you can tell that we're you know pretty well rounded with everything else. Yeah. Um, well, and God bless Ben's family and, and you as his team, his family that way. But, but, you know, I just think of it as to honor Ben and what his dream was for you in marketing. You let that dream continue on. So to yeah. honor him. But yeah, we're that's creating, Oh, sorry. I was going to say we're creating a memorial for him at our store. Yeah, and um, we're right. also working on helping create a memorial at the beach there. And um, yeah, but anyway, I didn't mean to really segue from that. I know you were asking about no. marketing, but yeah. I just feel like that's really an important piece, like both when we got branded and then obviously when that happened, those were two two big events in our marketing or, you yeah. know, in our business. Of course. And, and no doubt it's had a major impact on you and your team. So that's very understandable. Yeah. But it's interesting that you've had this probably this break in your marketing, but yet you've continued to be very successful and move things forward. And so do you feel like, uh, what about with referrals? Do you have a lot of referrals? A lot of your business come that way. And yeah. what do you do staying in touch with past clients? Well, now that we actually manage our database <laughs> the last couple of <laughs> years, uh, we are good about staying in front of our clients. We've been still working on that. One thing that we do is one way to really be in touch. Um, so we call and mail and do different things. But then we also started this birthday program. So we send them a gift on their birthdays. And um, in order to kind of figure out 
you know, when all their birthdays are and like anniversaries and different things. We created this survey called an all about you form. I uh, got this from one of my coaches a while back and I have other colleagues that do something similar. Um, basically it's like this little survey and it's actually a digital link that we email out. They click on the link and they answer a questionnaire like, you know, you know, what's your family? Like, Oh, do you have kids? And when's your anniversary? When's your birthdays? Do you have any pets? What's your favorite restaurant? You know, what's your dog's name? Like, I mean, just, you know, what's your favorite coffee place, sports team? Like we pretty much yeah. have all this data for all, like, I shouldn't say all, cause we're still getting it. You know, we've been doing this for a couple of years, but we're still obviously entering people that were missed or people who we didn't have certain information for, but basically on their birthday, we send them a gift. And if it's a major anniversary or a property anniversary, you know, whatever it may be, or we want to thank them for a referral, like we just are constantly gifting. And then before COVID, we do a couple of client events a year, do a Christmas party and then maybe some kind of a summer thing. And so um, those are some of the things we do to engage with our past clients. And being that our past clients make up at least three quarters of our business, um, it is important to stay engaged. And um We've built really close like friendships and we've bonded. I mean, I have clients that are like family, you know, which is random, right? Because you just meet mm-hmm. somebody. A lot of these people you met out of the blue and it's just sure some are referred or a lot of them are referred, but still like whether they're referred or you just met them out of the blue, it's incredible the kind of relationships that have come from doing business over yeah. the years. Well, and it's so important. I, I know I'm going to say this wrong. It's like the law of, The reciprocal law. I'm not going to say it right. Somebody's going to laugh at me right now. So, okay. And I would say I was just educated in a particular. Yes. Thank you. Say it again. (laughs) Reciprocity. I I have an accent, so it's hard for me to say it, but it's like you're talking about reciprocating, but it's like reciprocity, something like that. Yes. And you're giving to them, and that makes them want to give back and stay in touch. You know, it, it. they're kind of indebted to you almost in a sense. It's a mental thing, but, and not that you're doing it for that purpose, but you are appreciating them as a client, but there is that law that you're wanting to see the fruit come back from that. So. Well, and it's top of mind, like all these touch points are to be top of mind. Cause I mean, how many times does someone reach out to you and say, Hey, who can, who do you know that's really good at tile? And then you're like, sometimes you'll be blank because you're so busy. And then it's like later you're like, Oh shoot. I had Joe, yeah. my tele guy, like I totally forgot. So yeah. I don't want to be the forgotten Shane, the realtor guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. So you want to be top of mind. Yeah, for real. Wow. You're right. Our time has gone by really fast and we could do this probably for a whole day. Obviously, right. as we talked about the first time you and I met, you're very passionate about real estate and, um, and I love so much of the things that you've shared with us. So any parting thing that you just want to share before we sign off? Well, first of all, thanks for, you know, inviting me to share my story with you. I always love to talk about it because I, I am super passionate about it and it's nice to actually be able to take a break and actually share because it actually, believe it or not, in sharing with you, it actually helps me like actually pause and, you know, Mm. kind of like, I'm always hard on myself. And I think you find that with a lot of people that are very productive It's like, you got to celebrate those wins. And it's interesting because when you're like mentoring somebody or like even on this clubhouse platform, when you're giving someone advice or whatever, it's like what I find with like being able to talk to you like this, it makes me realize afterwards to be 
grateful, thankful for what we have, but then also kind of just pat yourself on the back a little bit and say, look how much you're doing or how far you've come. Because I think that when you're caught up in the grind every day, you don't think about that. And so, so it's kind of a compound thing. Right. But, but I do appreciate you having me on. And I mean, parting words, honestly, like this business is not for the faint of heart, but, but the, the golden rule really applies. Like, you know, treat people like you want to be treated, be good to people. Don't worry about Mm -hmm. the money. Just be good to people, whether it's your clients, your colleagues, just treat people great. And, you know, new agents still ask me, oh, how do I make all this money? And like, how do you like, don't worry about the money. Just go take care of people because the money will always be there. I've been saying that for years and it's so the truth. Yeah, I, I mean, clearly like, yeah, we do this to make a living, but I am passionate about helping people. Like I truly am passionate. It's not, this is my job. I wake up. Yeah. I live it, breathe it, like look forward to it. I don't ever wake up and say, oh, it's another day of real estate. Sure, there's challenges. There's things that come up with clients and different situations. And, you know, it's tough, you know, but it's like real estate is the second most stressful thing anybody does, right? Moving, I guess, specifically moving is like the second most stressful thing. Absolutely, right. But yeah, that's, I guess, what I can Okay, so you talked about Clubhouse. So I tell you what, let's do, if you'll agree to it, we'll schedule a time. I'll email all my contacts. And and listen, if you, um, April at the connexusgroup.com, get in touch with me. You can go to my website, Coach April Mac, to get my information. But follow me on Clubhouse. And how about Shane, you and I, and I'll grab a few other realtors from other places in the country, and Mm -hmm. we'll do a, a room on Clubhouse sometime. That would be so awesome. That'd be a great mastermind. And I do, I believe I do follow you on there. I'll double check. But yeah, I'd yeah. love to do a room like that. I've I been haven't done room. much yet. I talked to somebody today as well, one of my other coaches about us hosting a room together. And so I'm just, I'm afraid because I'm afraid nobody's going to jump on in my room. So I just haven't done it yet. And I don't have that many followers. So, Well, the thing, so it's good to leverage people that do. Like I have a decent following already, but I'm still newer. I think I have about uh, 1.4, 1.5. What I was going to say, though, 1. is 4. that I, I might have like 1.4 people, you know, like, like three or four <laughs> I mean like, people following I, me. <laughs> I'm in like 14 or 1500. But no, what I was going to say, though, is that that under under like what we could do is we could set it up under one of the real estate clubs, you know, because I have yeah. I have good, I have good alliances. I've been actually working under two different clubs. And so like my room, that's cool. I have a room every evening from, you know, 630 p.m. Pacific to eight Monday through Friday. Oh. And I'm doing that room under one of the real estate clubs. And you know, we'll have anywhere from 30 to 100 people in there. And, um, you know, sometimes even more intimate, but um, I'm good with that because you want to be able to get through the room and you don't want to have a thousand person room because you can't get people through and you can't. Yeah. It's so way tell more me productive. when is your room so I can find it. So I'll jump in sometime. So the, I title it Modern Agent and there's flames on each side. So it's okay. Modern Agent. We have a different topic every night. It's 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific. And since you follow me on IG... I post it to the story frequently, especially before. And then the other okay. thing you can do is um, you can search me. Um, if you're following me and you hit that little bell to always, yeah. then you'll get notified as well. Yeah. And then you, okay. And you can search. Um, but then I'm always happy to, obviously, you can ping me anytime. Yeah. Well, so the first time I met you and we talked, then I did really start getting into rooms after that on Clubhouse because you'd said, I just got off Clubhouse and I'm like, oh, really? I haven't done anything with it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump in. And and you said you'd even gotten a couple of clients or something from that. Clients, agents, referrals, listings. Yeah. And actually it's been great because I've actually met people that 
like doing podcasts. I've been invited to be on podcasts, which is great uh-huh. because I love to share about the business. Yeah. And um and I definitely like you know, it's not like like I know the business, right? Like I'm this is one thing I love to talk about. I'm really confident and sure. I enjoy it. So when I get the opportunity, I'm always happy to share and I have a couple other podcasts lined up in different yeah. parts of the country. Have one coming up here in Sacramento, California in a couple the, weeks and well, um, it's iron and then there's one other iron. one I think out of Arizona. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we grow from one another. We get challenged, we get new ideas and um, I love it. So, and you mentioned, uh, this is less thing we got to hurry and get off, but you mentioned coaching and of course I'm a coach. And so what value I just, for a plug for me in a sense, because I I think some people just do not realize the value that can be found in coaching. Mm -hmm. What is, what kind of value have you found from that? And I'm not your coach, but maybe someday, you know, but. So, well, first off, like I believe everybody needs a coach no matter at what level you're at. But yeah. I'll tell you what, for me, it's got to be a coach that's been there, done that, or someone that can really, you know, like I, I just, I don't, don't want to make it a long-winded answer, but it's just like, it's got to be someone that, that elevates you, right? Hmm. Like, yeah. and, so, and then it has to be someone that can also handle me because, like I'm, I've never been diagnosed, but I'm sure that I'm ADD and you know, who knows what else. I had the hardest time being committed to time blocks until a couple of years ago, my whole career, they've been trying to get me on time blocks and then doing homework, you know, getting my homework done. Cause I'm so busy with clients. So the, it's, I'm a tough one, right. To like to rope in, but, but I do respect my coach's time and thoughts and ideas. And, and I did implement a lot, but what I've done, even with some of these gurus that you see, like when people talk about Buffini and and Ferry and all these other guys, you know what? Like I don't get all hung up on the different gurus, but what I do is I'll take little pieces, right? Take yeah. the tidbits that you can apply to your business, and so right. you wrap that up with what your coach is helping you with, yeah. And um, and you implement what you can into your business. You can't implement right. it all, and you also right. can't implement things you don't believe in because you're just not going to do them. Mm-hmm. No, so, you're exactly right. That's to me what the podcast is. I mean, you know, it's it's. You're not going to implement everything that everyone does. You're going to take a little bit from here and a little bit from there and something that fits mm-hmm. your personality, your unique right. wiring, and implement into your business. So awesome. Shane, thank you so much. You've been thank a you. wonderful guest, and I just appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you as well, and thanks again for having me. I guess we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, Clubhouse. Yes, ma'am. I'll double check right now to make sure. I know I follow you, but I'll make sure. Okay. Well, thanks for being with us and listening to the end of the podcast. I told you that I would share some encouraging things with you today, and I really want to do that. As a real estate coach, I'm always working with people and so many that are in the real estate world. And I love this quote that I saw recently. You often feel tired, not because you've done too much, but because you've done too little of what sparks a light in you. Let me read it again. You often feel tired not because you've done too much, but because you've done too little of what sparks a light in you. And as real estate agents, I want to talk with you just for a moment about what really does spark you. And often I refer to that in coaching people, what refreshes you when you're tired It's one thing to lay down and take a nap. It's one thing to just put your feet up and zone out and watch TV for a little while. And that's rest. But when you are refreshed, you're creative again. You are excited to jump back into what you're passionate about. But so often we get burnout and we're just absolutely exhausted. 
And it's so important that you know what truly refreshes you. So often that for so many people, that's nature to be outside. Actually, as I'm recording this, I just went on a little bike ride around the block with my grandson. My husband had picked him up and he's been here uh, for a little bit this afternoon working in the backyard with my husband. And it's a beautiful day in the spring in Northeast Ohio, but kind of early for us to have this nice of weather. And so I took advantage and just stopped and took a 10-minute a ride around the block. And that is refreshing to get out and, f- and breathe the fresh air. I play the piano. And so sometimes as I'm just about to walk up the stairs and I pass the piano, I go sit down and, and maybe for 10 or 15 minutes, I'll play the piano. For me to travel, I work from home. And so as some would say, I live at work. And so it is so important for me to take time to travel because as I work at home or live at work, I can often work what seems like 24-7. And when I travel away and truly take time to go on a vacation, I can many times stop and put the work aside. And, And I love my work, but I need that time to refresh. And I know from being a coach and being coached, what my pressure points are, what my stress behaviors are when I'm working in my stress behaviors and I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. So I just want to encourage you today to stop for just a little bit and really think about your life and what energizes you. Is it working outside in the yard? Is it sitting down at the piano? Is it going for a walk outside? Is it just sitting on the patio and not doing anything else, but just being with yourself for a little bit? And some meditation, in a sense, a a time of prayer and being thankful What energizes you? And as I know the real estate world right now can be so crazy, your multiple offers on listings, you've got buyers that are writing offers but can't get them accepted. You've got much frustration. You're balancing a very busy career with your personal life, with your family, with home, the people that you love. Don't miss out. Please let me encourage you. Those kids will be grown up before you know it and take the time to enjoy them. Don't miss out on things for your business. Work with quality clients and know what refreshes you. So that is my encouragement for you today. If you need help in any area, my website's coachaprilmack.com. It's on the uh, notes of the podcast. You can see how to contact me. I coach people to work in a healthy way, to build their business, to become top producers in their market while still having a very healthy balance because it's really one of the things that's very important to me in my life that you're enjoying. You know why you got into this business, live and work it now that you still feel that way, that you're loving what you do. So that's my two cents for the day. Please, again, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us some reviews. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, God bless.